This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. How do you approach a successful career transition within your own company? I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast, I am thrilled to be talking with Alexandra Gore. Alex is a PEPMP and Senior Project Manager, as well as Assistant Vice President at WSP USA. And she's going to talk to us about how she made a career transition within WSP and some of the challenges that she faced during the transition and how she overcame them. I mean, this is a really important topic because I think a lot of civil engineering professionals, you know, I don't want to say they get bored, but maybe they're a little bit tired of doing what they do every day and they want to try something different. And so in Alex's case, she went from transportation into the energy sector. But she really liked the company and she didn't want to leave the company. So she made the transition within the company. And it's a very interesting process that she went through and she details it in this episode. And I'm excited to share her story with you. Before we jump into the episode, we want to give a huge thank you to our sponsor, Dell Tech, a leading enterprise resource planning software provider with products built specifically for how engineering firms do business. Their industry-leading solution provides a 360-degree view into your projects and helps maximize productivity, increase profitability, and empower business success. Tune in on April 12th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as Dell Tech joins us for a webinar ensuring profitability with proactive project management. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, I'm excited to welcome our guest on to the show for today. Alexandra Gore is Senior Project Manager and Assistant Vice President at WSP USA. And I've gotten to know Alex through a lot of different associations and working with her a little bit. So Alex, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. No, I'm excited to have you and just so happened to get the chance that we got to see each other yesterday at the ACC Winter Conference, which was great. And really the reason that I asked Alex to come on the podcast is because she's gone through a transition in her career as a civil engineer within one firm, which is not something that you see that often. And so I guess just to get us going, Alex, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about you know your career journey a little bit and how you got to where you are today. I had decided or, or knew since early on in college that I wanted to study civil engineering and I wanted to focus on transportation. I genuinely thought that proper transportation planning and engineering, that's how I was going to save the world. You know, the pipe dream of an 18-year-old. And so everything I did in college aligned with that goal. Then I graduated with a bachelor's of science in civil engineering in May 2012 from Cornell. And I joined a firm called Parsons Brinkerhoff just three weeks later. Over the span of the following 10 years, I worked my way up from junior traffic engineer to deputy department manager for the traffic engineering department in New York City. 
a year and a half into my employment, I knew I still loved my job. I knew I had made the right choice, but I really missed the classroom. I missed learning. So I applied to NYU for their master's program in transportation planning and engineering. I spent two and a half years doing night school, working a full day in the office, then going to class at night in, in downtown Brooklyn. I could not have been happier. Once I graduated, I also obtained my PE license, my professional engineering license. Uh, both of those happened in 2016. And suddenly all of these internal doors just opened for me. One opportunity led to another. And then in 2018, I was asked to fill a special role on a mega project that really opened my eyes to large scale interdisciplinary projects. Before that, I had really only focused on transportation focused projects, much smaller in scope and scale and, and impact. But I learned now that there was such a big world outside of traffic engineering and I was hooked and I couldn't wait to bring that knowledge back to my team. I will say one of the many benefits of working for a giant firm like WSP, which actually acquired Parsons Brinkerhoff in 2014, that's how the name change happened, is the breadth of options. So I had been exposed a few years ago to interdisciplinary teams and, and mega infrastructure projects. And I really wanted to find a team that would allow me to focus full time on building my project management skill set after I felt like I had mastered the technical skill set. Simply put, after about 10 years, I really felt like I had learned everything that I was going to learn from that team. So I started thinking about, well, what else is out there? And so one of the things I just want to hit on there that I think is really important is different size firms offer different things. I mean, there's benefits to both working at a small firm, mid-size, large firm. There may be some downsides. There's always goods and bads in everything you do, right? And so that's why I think it's a really good idea, especially as an undergraduate, if you have internships and different opportunities to work at different size firms, it can be really valuable because everyone likes different things. And that's one of the benefits, I think, of the civil engineering industry is that it gives you so many options throughout your career. And I think really what was so interesting about Alex's journey is that she realized she couldn't learn, or, you know, wanted to make a change, wanted to change it up a little bit but also recognize that she didn't have to leave her firm to do that. And it wasn't too late to do that in her career, generally speaking, because I think those are the two biggest misnomers that we're going to talk through today a little bit. But I hear that from people all the time. I wish I would have done this kind of civil engineering instead. And I'm like, well, why don't you just do it now? Okay, go do that. Right. Go give it a try. So let's talk a little bit more about that because I think people are concerned. So what made you feel like, you know, I can make a transition at this point in my career, I can stay here and I can do it. Talk to us about the thought process there. For starters, being on interdisciplinary teams, you're already exposed to folks with diverse academic backgrounds, diverse skill sets. So I was already comfortable with being sometimes the only traffic engineer in the room or sometimes the only non-structural engineer in the room based on the meeting or, or kind of the topic at hand. So I was already, you know, used to that. So you were used to being around different professionals, basically. You weren't like around everyone like you. Correct. And that's to your point earlier about working at giant firms, that happens a lot more often than it would maybe at a smaller firm. Actually, both of my internships in college were at small kind of boutique-y type firms. And while those were amazing opportunities and experiences, I knew that I wanted something bigger. So yes, I had been exposed to a diverse set of teaming partners. And when I had decided that I needed to make a change. 
At first I thought, oh, why don't I just go leave and go to a different firm, different size firm, different type of firm, but still do what I was doing. But I didn't like the idea of that because the truth is, is I love WSB. I absolutely love working here. They've treated me so well over the last decade or so. I've had a wonderful experience. I have the best mentors in the world, the best colleagues and partners and friends, frankly, and I didn't want to give that up. So in terms of how the transition kind of worked, I just utilized my network. You're in an office, you're in a company for over 10 years. I ended up knowing a lot of people. And so I just started talking to people. Hey, what do you do? Oh, you and I worked on that project and you had an interesting role. What group are you in? How did that work? Um, What's your academic background or your technical background and how does that apply? And you know, it was a lot of coffee chats around the office. Again, the joys of a big office with a nice cafe. But how this one really ended up working out was really spontaneous. I was scrolling LinkedIn one night, you know, as I do occasionally to see what everyone's up to in the professional field. And I saw that our energy end market, that wasn't on my radar. Because when you think energy, you think, oh, mechanical, electrical, that's not me. I My PEs in civil engineering, I never thought that that was an option for me. But I saw that they were looking for a new senior project manager. And the way they described the group was really interesting. So I asked the the department manager to have coffee the next day, and, and we did. And he told me a little bit about what they were up to. And I expressed a little bit of vulnerability. I said, I'm not a mechanical or electrical engineer. I'm a civil engineer. I'm afraid I won't be able to contribute as much as you need me to. I'm happy I was so vulnerable because he immediately squashed my fears, saying, well, neither am I. No, we actually like it better that you're not, because the way they break it down in the group I'm in now is, I'm in a team of all project managers. All we do all day is focus on how do we be the best project managers we can be. And so by not being a mechanical or electrical engineer, I won't have that temptation, so to say, to get into the nitty gritty of the technical work. So it actually helps me focus better on what I do on a day-to-day basis. I had thought that you decided you wanted to go into energy, but you just decided you wanted to make a change first. And then you started looking for things that you might interest you, essentially. Yeah, I know that sounds a little silly, but no, joining energy per se was not the goal. I knew I wanted to find a group that would allow me to better utilize my project management skill set. As I mentioned earlier, I obtained my project management professional, my PMP credential a few years ago, and I really enjoyed working on large-scale mega projects, interdisciplinary projects. And so I was looking for that. And I was trying to be very open-minded in terms of what end market I landed in, so to say. I knew what I wanted. I just didn't know where that would lead me. And that's frankly why I had to have so many coffee chats with folks all up and down the hierarchy of WSP to figure out what my options were. I'm very happy that I ended up on the energy team. And yes, I do think that being part of the decarbonization puzzle is now going to be the new way that I save the world or play a part in saving the world. But I have to be honest, it was more of a happy accident than the original goal. All right. So you had these coffee chats, you spoke to the manager in the energy sector and ultimately decided you were going to go that route. You got the position. So now take us through the next stages. Now you're preparing, you're going to take on this new role. You know, What are you thinking? How are you feeling? How did that all go? Well, I definitely was a little nervous to tell my old team, but that nervousness was also quickly squashed because the truth is, is these are my friends and my colleagues and they have been for a long time. And because I wasn't leaving the company, 
I was just going upstairs, moving from the fourth floor to the fifth floor, and they knew they could always call me for questions about the projects I was passing on to them. They were just happy for me because they could see how happy and excited I was. So that was step one. And of course, you know, preparing those transition plans. But in terms of my transition plan for my new role, I had to do a lot of reading. I spent a lot of time refamiliarizing myself with WSP's internal project management processes. Because if I'm transitioning from a role that's instead of part-time technical, part-time project management, part-time business development, part-time all these things as a deputy department manager, I naively thought that the scope of my work was going to be much smaller. We can get to it later, but that turned out to be wrong, but always is. So I spent a lot of time refamiliarizing myself with WSP's internal processes. I also had to pull out the uh, PMBOK that I used to get the PMP. That's the Project Management Book of Knowledge. So I wanted to freshen up on that. I also spent the next two weeks, because like any job, I did give my old manager two weeks notice. The same way you would with you know resigning from any job, I felt strongly and my new manager also felt strongly that that was the appropriate thing to do out of respect. So I spent those two weeks rereading some of my favorite management books because I'd be managing a team. It was a lot of reading, a lot of trying to get in the zone. Just to go back to what you said, which I think is important, is when you let people know about this in your old team, if you're thinking about this kind of transition from maybe the manager or the supervisor where someone's coming to you and telling you, hey, I'm going to be leaving your team to go to another team. I still think like at the end of the day, it's a much better conversation than I'm leaving your company. Sure. I wasn't leaving to go to a competitor and taking all of our company secrets with me and all of our modeling techniques and you know skill sets. It wasn't that at all. And I do think that that helped. It was that classic, it's not you, it's me type of thing which sounds really cliche, but it wasn't that I hated the company. I love this company. It's just that I wanted to make sure that I remained on an upward trend, that I remained on a steep learning curve as much as possible. I didn't think I was at a point in my career where coasting was appropriate or necessary. I know that one of the concerns of some of your listeners might be, isn't a transition in the company scary? it actually felt like a much safer option. Because I had such a great relationship with my managers and the transportation and infrastructure leadership all up the food chain, they all said, if it doesn't work out, just come back. If you try it for six months and it's not all it's cracked up to be, well, you'll always have a home here on the fourth floor versus on the fifth floor. I appreciated that. You know, The joys of doing an internal transition is that I get to learn something new. I get to better myself, but I still get to keep all of my friends and all of my colleagues and my mentors. Because if you go a few managers up, a few levels up, I still report to the same person, which is actually one of my mentors who was super supportive throughout every step of the process. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Talk about that transition process and how the kind of support and mentorship that you got through that transition. I had already for about a year prior to making this decision, I had been meeting monthly with our New York district leader about career path. He was a great mentor to me. Where am I going? What should I be working on if X, Y, Z are my goals? And then when I kind of reached this transition point of, I actually think I need to make a change, like a bigger one, not just uh, an approach change or a day change. I need to make a real change. 
He provided me with a few options that he thought might be fun internal transitions. I actually didn't think any of them were a big enough change. So another role that I had considered was actually our a project delivery manager, which is focusing on the operations and, and the financial back end of all transportation projects. And while that sounded like a fun role, if I was going to make a change, I needed to fully rip off the Band-Aid and completely like not cut ties because that's a negative way of phrasing it. But if I was going to make a change, it needed to be so drastic that I couldn't help but dive in completely. Like nothing had to look the same. Everything had to be different. Yeah. Exactly. I did completely. And I'm happy I did that because I was right about myself. I, by making such a drastic change and changing absolutely everything about my day job, other than, you know, my email address, which is the same, if I had no other choice but to dive in 110%. So he had proposed a few ideas of how I could make a change. I said, nope, those aren't enough. And I came to him. I said, well, I saw this job posting, the senior project manager from Energy. What do you think about that? And his eyes just lit up. The video call said, I had no idea you'd be interested in something so bold like that. I said, this is what I want. Now, to be fair, I still had to go through the interview process. Being an internal candidate does not mean that you get to cut the line or that special favors are granted to you. And I actually feel really good about that. I feel confident knowing that I don't know how many other folks were interviewed, but I had to prepare a cover letter, I had to prepare a resume, and I had to go back to that New York district leader and ask, oh my God, I haven't written one of these since I was 21 because I've been here my entire career. I never needed that. And so he was very supportive. And then, of course, our human resources department was really helpful, kind of helping me time it out correctly. We waited for the interview process to be finalized, for me to get the official offer letter, for me to go talk to my manager. But again, if you go three levels up from my old management team, it was the same person who was three levels up from my new management team. So senior level management, corporate, if you will, they were all well aware. Unfortunately, I just had to wait until all of the T's were crossed and I's were dotted to officially tell my team because just on the off chance that it didn't happen, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings for no reason. So let's talk a little bit about change because you went through a lot of it through this process. I mean, luckily, some things didn't change that much. Like you said, one floor different, top upper management still the same, which is good, but there still was a lot of change. And a lot of times when it comes to change in one's career, there can be a lot of fear associated with that. Just talk about how you approached it mindset in terms of, I'm going to be making a big change at this stage of my career. There's a lot involved in that. Like, What would you say to someone out there who may be thinking about something like this, but they just have a lot of fear around it? Well, I would start by saying what I said a moment ago, which is this is a safer way to make the change than changing companies because you still have your support system there. Your mentors are still there. Your friends and your project partners, they're still that same safety net for you. So if you're really overwhelmed on day one, you can still you know, do a little IM message to your work bestie, if you will. So feel confident in that. And feel confident in the idea that your company clearly respects you and supports you so much that they're willing to let you make this change. So I'd say remember those two things. But you know, on the flip side, it was a real test in kind of patience for me. I had to practice a lot of patience with my ego because while I was so excited to try this new role and to 
dive deep into energy and power distribution and all the fun things that I'm doing now that were so different from what I did, you know, in my previous role. Simply put, I walked away from a role in transportation, local leadership to a role that didn't without the same equivalent. I was not part of New York City local leadership anymore. It was technically a lateral move, but if I didn't have the the confidence that I would have, I might feel like it was a promotion. I was suddenly at the bottom of the totem pole, so to say, all over again. You know, when you think about the hierarchy of project teams, I was back on the bottom. I had to prove myself all over again, which I was happy to do. That was absolutely not a complaint that ever came out of my mouth. But yes, I had the safety net of my friends and my colleagues and my mentors. And yes, I felt confident in myself and this decision. But I still had to come in and listen a lot and learn so many new things and keep a running tally of of words or acronyms that I might not understand that I had to Google in private later because I knew I'd be the only person in the room who didn't know what these basic things meant. And having, frankly, to reprove yourself to a whole new group of people. Yes, these are folks I saw around the office and had known casually from, you know, happy hours or Christmas parties, you know, for years. But these are folks I never actually worked with before. So they might think I'm a nice person and I'm a friendly hello in the hallway, but from my work ethic and the quality of my work and what I can bring to the team, I knew I was starting fresh. And so I had to give myself a lot of grace and a lot of empathy to being okay, not knowing everything anymore. And it was hard, but worth it. You talked a lot about how supportive your managers and your team were when you told them and you know helped you through that. But what about before you told anyone? Like the first couple times where you like thinking to yourself, like, what if they say no? What if, like how was that feeling when you just like decided to breach the subject, which you had never done with anyone? I mean, Do you mean like what if my old manager said no, you can't switch? When you first told the first person about this, like when no one knew except for you, like how did you get comfortable enough having that conversation? Because I would imagine that that wasn't just an easy thing to tell someone. Honestly, it really wasn't easy. The honest answer is I was having a really bad day and I was in a conversation with our local business lead, our deputy local business lead, the district lead for all of New York, you know, a lot of senior level folks about me and my career path. And like I said, I was having a really bad day and I didn't even realize that I said this until after it happened and they told me that I had said it, I just can't do it anymore. And they said, I've never heard you say that before. And I said, what did I say? I didn't even realize. So unfortunately, I can't give you like an articulate answer about kind of what it was like to say it for the first time because I- it slipped out. <laughs> it just happened exactly. It was an accident and, and I'm not proud of that. But for the sake of all of your listeners, I'm going to give you the honest answer, which is that. And I think that's when they really took it seriously. Like, oh, if we want to keep Alex, we need to support her in this. And there are no words out there that are sufficient to express my gratitude to the senior leaders of WSP in supporting me when I decided that I wanted to make the change. I guess that's how I found out that it just kind of came out. Through the transition, I don't know if you could think of, I'm sure there were different challenges along the way, but was there maybe a challenge that came up for you that you could just talk about that you overcame or, you know, during your transition period? I would start with kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Like there were a lot of words I didn't know what they meant. I had to learn the difference between power distribution versus power generation. I had, these are all things I had never thought of before. 
I now work with private clients as opposed to public agencies. Those types of projects move at a really fast pace. But I would say the biggest hurdle was I came in to the project that I'm currently working on. It's the Champlain Hudson Power Express. We're bringing clean energy to New Yorkers. It's going to be amazing, but that's a whole different topic. I came in and, you know, to prove myself, I said, sure, I'll be the RFI and submittal coordinator. Now, that's typically not done by somebody who's kind of at my level, but to show that I didn't have an ego, to show that I had humility, and to show that I just wanted to get my foot in the door and learn as much as I possibly could, I said, yeah, I'll do that for six months. I'll help build this team and build this process. Yeah, but here's the thing. I had never done that before. It's typically something that's an experience that's held by engineers with much less experience than what I have. Civil engineers or mechanical or electrical. These engineers at at big consulting firms tend to have that role a little bit younger, a little bit less experienced rather, I should say, not an age thing. So here I am agreeing to do this role that my district lead said I should have had years ago. He's like, I can't believe this isn't on your resume. You actually have to do this right now before you can move forward. I was like, sure, how hard can it be? It was extremely difficult. The amount of coordination and communication and how much you need to understand about working with contractors and every single discipline under the sun was very overwhelming. And for the first two weeks or so that I was doing it, I wasn't really doing it. I mean, I thought I was doing it, but I was so very wrong. And then finally, the program director kind of sat me down one day. He was like, let's get coffee and talk. I was like, sure. He's like, what's happening here? This isn't working, but I've heard such great things. This isn't working. And I laugh saying this because in hindsight, it is so funny, but you have to have a good sense of humor with this type of stuff. Like here I am all high and mighty, you know, senior project manager. Like I should know these things, but I just, because I transferred from such a different type of team, I never needed that experience before, but now I have senior leadership saying, okay, you can do all these things, but you need to learn this one thing. And I just kept doing it wrong. And then I was letting the whole team down. It was a whole mess. It took a lot of time to understand that process because I can't build the process if I don't understand it. I eventually overcame it. And the team is so successful now because we just have a really awesome team. But that took a really long time and a lot of weird Googling to understand how on earth I'm supposed to be, like what any of these words mean. Are there any final tips that you'd like to share with the listeners around making transitions or anything from the experience that you took away that you want to share? I would say my number one tip is to be really, really honest with your mentors about what you're trying to accomplish. Well, first, you have to be honest with yourself about what you're trying to accomplish. Then you need to be really, really honest with your mentors or your managers, whoever's guiding you through this process, because If you're not honest with yourself and with them, you're not going to end up in the right place. We discussed it earlier in this conversation. I didn't seek out energy. It happened because the values of this team fit my values. But if I wasn't honest about what values I was seeking and what values I had and what I was trying to accomplish, which is I want to be the best project manager I can be. I don't definitively know that I would have ended up here because folks would have just, you know, maybe they would have just dismissed it like, oh, no, 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 you can't go there. I thought you said you wanted this. So I would say honesty and vulnerability is is the biggest tip. And also 
when you do make the transition and then you do end up with your new team listening a lot the first week or two, simply put, you really just can't come in too hot on day one. Yes, it's important to be confident about the skill sets that you bring and the transferable skills that you're bringing from one team to another. But that doesn't mean that you know everything on day one. You really have to meet everybody on the team, understand what they're trying to accomplish, understand the role that they want you to fill, whatever that role is and whatever they need help with. But you have to listen first before you dive in heads first. It speaks to the importance of a team, right? Which is really, especially in the world of engineering and civil engineering, I mean, you're going nowhere without a team. I mean, the projects are (laughs) too complex and there's lots going on. So we've learned quite a bit here from Alex about making that transition. First of all, it's never too late in your career to make a transition in civil engineering. There are lots of things you can do. And a lot of civil engineers that I know that they've tried different things throughout their career. And I think that keeps you kind of happy, keeps you going in the right direction. So hearing a little bit of kind of Alex's journey specifically was very helpful in terms of, you know, being honest and open and vulnerable, like she said. We're not quite finished with Alex yet, though. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to finish up by putting her on the civil engineering hot seat for a couple last career-related questions. So we'll be back in just a minute. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, we're back with Alexandra Gore. She is a senior project manager and assistant vice president at WSP USA. She made a big transition in her career from transportation into the energy sector, and she shared her kind of journey with us here. And now, Alex, we're going to put you on the civil engineering hot seat for a couple last career questions. You ready? Yes. Do you have any specific rituals that you practice every day, whether it's a morning routine, a lunchtime routine, just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success? I'm very into wellness in 2023. So first, I start every day with a cup of herbal tea, just like while I'm getting ready. I don't have any kind of high-level reasons for it other than it helps me make sure that I'm hydrated as I walk out the door and run to my commute through New York City. I would say my bigger, more important ritual, though, is it might be a little controversial. I think it's the opposite of what a lot of people would say. I don't get lunch with folks, unless, of course, it's a it's a lunch working meeting or a client or a mentor specifically asks to have lunch. I'm not talking about that, but whether or not I bring lunch or maybe I go out to pick something up, I actually use those 15 minutes to walk outside and reset my brain. I use that time for self-reflection. I think about how the morning went, what did I accomplish, what's still outstanding, not in a to-do list way, but just in a, am I accomplishing my goals? Do I feel good about how this morning went? And then I think about how I want to spend my afternoon. I know that a lot of people go out there saying, oh, that's the perfect time to catch up with friends or get to a senior leader that you can't, you don't have time to. And, and that's all well and good if that works for other folks. But I need those 15 minutes to process, reset, set my intentions, and then come back ready to go for the afternoon. One more question on that is related to productivity. You've led a lot of teams in your career. And so I think when you're a team leader, what you focus on becomes even more critical because there are lots of different things you could focus on. Any tips for kind of team leaders or people that are transitioning, engineers transitioning into leadership and management, like any time management tips in terms of where to focus your time? 
I have a couple of suggestions. And unlike my first answer, these are very, they're going to feel basic and straightforward. And I certainly don't take credit for inventing any of these, but to-do lists are my jam. I am obsessed with my calendar. I block off everything. If I need to spend 15 minutes calling somebody, you know, if they said, oh, I'm free at one, why don't you just give me a call then? Even if they make it casual, I put that in my calendar. And I actually block off time for head down work. You know, if I see that I have magically have two free hours free with no meetings tomorrow afternoon, I actually might block that off proactively on my calendar and just say like, hold for work or hold for review because sometimes I need that time to actually review something or sometimes I need it for catch-up time. But if I don't have kind of a time where nobody thinks that they can call me, for lack of a better way to phrase that, I might end up falling behind. And in taking that a step further, you have to remain agile. We all have fire drills that pop up and that's okay. And sometimes we need to prioritize in a second But if something's a priority now, it's probably still going to be a priority two hours from now. So if something else pops up, you still need to kind of make sure you have cushion baked into your day or baked into your week to make sure that everything you need to accomplish is accomplished. I'm a big believer in building room for error. It started with how early do you leave for the airport? oh, there might be traffic, like these basic tasks and these basic concepts like actually can apply quite clearly to work. If you think something is going to take half an hour, really might take 45 minutes. So if you have the ability to bake in room for error, I find that that helps me not just set my priorities, but actually fulfill them. Is there a book or two that you might share related to management leadership or just in your career that's been helpful? My personal favorite which was suggested uh, by a good friend who, Elizabeth Abel, if you want to look her up, she has a great series on Read to Lead. You know, her favorite book, is, which is now my favorite book, Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter by Liz Wiseman. The title has the word leader in it, but the truth is, is I think that anybody can learn how to be a multiplier for their team. And it doesn't matter what your role is on said team. It doesn't matter if you're the bottom junior engineer or if you're a middle manager or if you're the program manager or anywhere in between. If you can develop the skill sets to help your teammates multiply their impact in a positive way, it will make you a strong leader, even if that word leader isn't in your title. Highly recommend. Thinking back on your manager, as a managers of the past, and we know, you know you've done some different things in your career now, so you've had different managers in different areas, and we're not asking you to name names, but just generally speaking, if you think of like your favorite managers or some of the things that they did that you really liked, what would you say are some of the skills or characteristics of really good managers kind of in the AE world? That's what we're trying to understand here. I do have a couple of folks in mind, but I won't name names. The best managers that I've ever had are the folks who supported my goals and my ambitions and my interests without projecting their own career path onto me. Sometimes our career paths, you know, kind of ended up following one another and sometimes they deviated completely. And look, I appreciate that folks have different interests, different passions, and 
I think it's really cool when folks who have similar interests end up having different career paths, but it doesn't, you know, whether or not I was successful in an endeavor never affected my relationship with the manager. I appreciated, you know, if there was this really cool project that I heard WSP win and I really wanted to work on it. And I approached my manager and I said, look, I know I have these other responsibilities and I promise I won't miss out on them. Maybe it means a little overtime or a little weekend work, but can you at least let me try to also work on this project? And they said yes. Whether or not I was successful in managing all of those tasks is not the point, but the fact that they let me try. This doesn't mean that those managers didn't push me or hold me accountable when I made a mistake or when maybe I did bite off more than I could chew and that had to be fixed. They always let me try without projecting their own insecurities or their own experiences. Those were my favorite managers. All right. Last question that we have for you, we call this the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So you get into an elevator with a civil engineer who has less experience than you and they're looking for some career advice and you have about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, what piece of advice would you give them from based on your career? You have to master the task at hand before you can ask for more. If you aren't reliable at level one, whatever level one is in your career or on your project team, your manager will never feel comfortable giving you level two work. So we all come in saying, I want to be a project manager. I want to be a boss. I want to be in charge. But if you're not reliable in the smaller tasks, they're never going to trust you with the bigger tasks. So you have to make sure you master, you know, step one before you can get on to step two. That's really good. I was just talking with someone at a, at a company. We're talking about like career road mapping a little bit. He's like, I like the idea of showing people their career roadmap, but he's like, most of the younger professionals today say, I like the path, but how quick can I get to the top of it? Like they want to go from like A to B, like right away without, like you're saying, get good at the first part before you start stepping to the next part, right? Yeah. And the truth is, is especially for civil engineers, you really can't do much without a, a PE license. And I know that that takes time. You need four years of professional work experience, but I can't tell you how many clients I've had over the last decade or so that will not entertain the idea of a project manager that doesn't have a PE license. I actually think it's easiest for entry-level engineers or engineers kind of with only a handful of years of experience, because if you just make obtaining the PE license your full-time goal or your primary goal, rather, that everything else will end up falling into place. Because to get the PE and to be able to sit for that test, you're going to have to develop all of these technical skill sets. It's a big step in the process. Yeah. Well, Alex, listen, thank you so much for giving us your time today to share your story. I think it's something that's going to be beneficial for a lot of civil engineering professionals out there that maybe want to make a transition, maybe want to try something different, but they're a little bit hesitant. So I hope that your kind of story will kind of push them to give it a shot and just appreciate some time. Very flattered to have been invited. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alex. I think it is a really important topic. And I hope that there are civil engineers out there that listen to this episode and then decide to make that transition that they wanted to make, but maybe were scared to do it or scared to ask their supervisor because really it's your career and you want to enjoy it and you should do what you want to do. Alex is great. I've gotten to know her through the association work that we've done together here and there. And she's awesome. And she's obviously very giving of her time. It was great to have her on. 
And remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.com dot org.